The following recording is a presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service of Berean Baptist Church. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to Judges chapter 2. Okay, we're going to go to Judges chapter 2, and it's, I'm going to read 15 verses so you can remain seated while I read this passage of Scripture, beginning at verse 1, Judges chapter 2, verse 1. And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no legion with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, uh, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Verse 3. Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of that place Bochum, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gaesh. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel." And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and, hollowed other, and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them. And they were greatly distressed. Let's pray. Father, as we stand in this place today, we are so humbled by your greatness. We are reminded from this passage that we just read of the the sins of the people and the, the nations that forsake you are doomed and will suffer great, great bondage and, and, and peril. So now, Lord, as we gather around your word this morning, I pray your Holy Spirit would have liberty to speak to us and would encourage us and would lead us in the right direction so that we might honor you in our lives 
and in the lives of our children. Be with us now and bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice verse 10 with me again. It says here, And, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. All that generation. What generation? Well, the generation of people that was alive during the Exodus, during the conquest of the land of Canaan, those that had witnessed the plagues in Egypt, those that had walked through the Red Sea, those that saw the walls of Jericho fall down flat. All that generation, the scripture says, were gathered unto their fathers. In other words, they died. They went the way of all flesh and they died. And all who were old enough, during the historical times we described this morning, uh, to understand what they had witnessed. Those that were old enough to to see the, the works of God, to see the miracles, and understand what they were seeing. All those were now gone. And, the scripture says, uh, and such a small word, but this is a very big and. And there arose another generation after them. Now, this, of course, is not unusual. One generation is usually succeeded by another generation. But there is something askew. Something, spiritually speaking, is askew about the generation that followed. The scripture says, which knew not the Lord. Now, this generation knew about God. They perceived the existence of God. They may have even acknowledged God in their daily speech and in their, in their, in their prayers. But they did not know God. They had no intimate understanding nor familiarity with the Lord. They had not witnessed the great power of God as their forefathers did. They they didn't see the plague of locusts. They They didn't see the water turn to blood. They didn't see the parting of the Red Sea. They did not see God provide manna in the wilderness. They did not see God bring water from the rock. And further, they had little to no knowledge about these things. Now, let me try to bring this to 21st century earth. Let's bring it to today. It is my belief, and you have liberty to disagree with me, but it is my belief that we are living in the same conditions today. What we have become as a society today, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I watch some of the commercials on television and I'm sickened. Literally, physically ill by what I see. What, What identifies this generation we have today? Well, how about divorce? One out of every three marriages ends in divorce. In fact, I I, I might even say 
People go into marriages with anticipation that it's not going to last. With an anticipation that I'll be your husband as long as I'm happy with you. You'll be my wife as long as I like you. But no commitment to life. What identifies this generation? Abortions. Abortions. It is said that one... One baby is aborted every 37 seconds in the United States alone. Not the world, just the United States alone. One child every 37 seconds is aborted. Uh, by the way, don't call it abortion. Call it what it is. Murder. Let's just call it what it is. It's murder. If you don't like that, take it up with God. What identifies this generation? Homosexuality. That's one of the things that sickens me on TV. I saw a commercial the other day. I almost, I almost had to, pardon my French, almost had to go vomit. Two men kissing on, on the screen. Look, I'm fond of a lot of men. But I ain't planting these lips on any man. I'm sorry. Homosexuality. Drugs and gang violence is, a, is, is what permeates this society. How many of you, honestly, how many of you would feel safe to walk at night from your home uh, to a, a, a store or something like that? Any, any of you really, you'd say, I, I'm fully confident I'd feel completely safe. I wouldn't. I'd make sure I got something to protect myself if I, if I was going to do it. It's, it's rampant today. Drugs and gang violence, and I'm not going to get off on a tangent on that, but it is what it is. Promiscuity. Everybody understand what I mean when I say promiscuity? In a poll taken, girls aged 14 to 16, this is a school-age girl, 26.8% admitted they're sexually active. This is girls, okay? This is little girls. Among the boys, 14 to 16, 24.3%. I can only account for the difference in percentage because the guys are uglier than the girls, I guess. I don't know. What identifies this generation? Pornography. Do you know, I read that 37% of websites involve pornography. 37%. That's one out of every three websites has pornography in, in one way or another attached to it. Now, these folks are not imaginary numbers. I didn't make these up. These are all documented facts. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. I only have time this morning to scratch the surface of what our society has become. In short, we in America have raised a generation that knows not God. But how could this happen? How with all of our resources and all the advantages in this great nation of ours, how did we allow such a thing as this to happen to us? Now, it would be very easy this morning to point to the atheists and the liberals and blame them for all of this. That, that would be very easy to do. That would be the easy path. And it might even ease our conscience a little bit and keep us from having to assume a share of the blame ourselves. But alas, our condition today is not the fault of the atheists. 
And it's not the fault of the liberals. It is, in fact, the fault of Christendom. I'd like for you to turn your Bible. Keep a marker in Judges, but turn your Bible with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Now, I cheated this morning. I I marked all these scriptures with little tabs so I could get to them quickly because I want to try to get us out of here in a reasonable hour. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. If you're not there, just go ahead and look up at me and look intelligently as if you found it, and let's read. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, look at verse 14. Let's all read it together, as a matter of fact, if you will. Ready? Begin. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. What are the first three words? If my people, not the atheists. It doesn't say if the atheists. It doesn't say if the liberals. It says my people. Now who's that? Who's, who, who are God's people? We are. The elect saints of God, the church. We're God's people. So, it seems like this verse of scripture is saying God's forgiveness and God's healing is dependent upon whom? Yes. Dependent upon you. And it's dependent upon me. Our actions, our behavior will determine the condition of our land. I was born again 41 years ago. I've spent probably at least 30 or more of those years working with teenagers. Some of you sitting in this room today were a part of my youth group and and, and the things we did all those years. In that time, I witnessed a steadily declining morality among our youth. And now, three or four generations later, I, I, think, I think that I know a little something about what has brought us to where we are. If, you, if you'll allow me some, some latitude this morning... I will attempt to share some things with you that have contributed to this decay in our society. Now, as a disclaimer, I'm just going to say not all of you will like some of the things I have to say. However, please believe me when I say I have no one in mind today. I'm not thinking about any of you when I'm making these statements. It is not my intention to upset anyone. But by preaching the word of God often is very convicting. And if anything I have to say offends you, I apologize for offending you, but I do not apologize for preaching the truth. What has brought us to where we are today? Number one on your answer sheets is the silence of the saints. 
the silence of the saints. I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's real close to Judges. And let's begin reading at verse number 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, And thou shalt speak them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. God required the men and women of Israel to continually teach his commandments, to their children. This is so that their children would not forget. This is so that they would know and they would understand the principles of God's word. I mean, God said, do it all the time. Look at what he said in verse 8. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thy lie is down, and when thy rise is up, that's all the time. That's all the time. We're to, we're to speak about God. All the time. To our children. And, and can I say not only to our children, but to our neighbors. To our co-workers. To the people we meet at the market. All the time, we're to, we're, to teach, we're to be talking about the principles of God. Now, we see two distinct things they were to proclaim. First, letter A on your study sheets is to preach God's words. To preach God's word. Verses 6 and 7. In these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shall talk of them when thou, when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down when thou, when thou um, risest up. We're feeble creatures, by the way. We may, we may think we're something special. Right? Especially in my 20s, man. I thought I was indestructible in my 20s. Well, I'm in my 60s now. I know I'm not indestructible. If I could go back to when I was in my 20s and do some things differently, I might fare a little better today. 
We're feeble. And you know what we do easier and faster than anything else? We forget. Hmm? We forget. This is why we often repeat the same mistakes over and over and over. We do the same stupid things all the time, don't we? Go ahead, you can admit it. It's it's true. And that's because we forget. We get into trouble and, oh God, please help me, Lord. If you get me through this, Lord. Yeah, sure. Six months later, oh, please help me, Lord. Because you did the same stupid thing. The elder generations in Israel did not heed the warning of God. They became silent. And their silence doomed an entire generation to a life void of the knowledge of God. And certainly this is true in our society today. We must be faithful to teach our children the word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. <laughs> For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after uh, their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Did you hear what Paul said? The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Do you know why a church like ours is not busting at the seams with people trying to get in? Because they don't want to hear what we have to say. They don't want to hear, thus saith the Lord. They don't want to hear the truth about their careless and wicked lives. They don't want to hear it. So they don't come. They go out there and they find some little sissy preacher who's going to stand behind his pulpit and say, God loves you. Don't worry about that. You go to them and say, oh, I I did a terrible thing. Oh, don't worry. God forgives you. Listen, I'm sorry. This is, this is not a popularity desk. This is a preaching station. This is where the word of God is to be proclaimed in truth and in power backed by the Holy Spirit of God. We're to preach the word of God. When God becomes angry, trouble comes by the bucket loads. And you know, this morning I was thinking a little bit about this, and I thought about how Sodom and Gomorrah, how even even when God blinded their eyes, they still wanted their sin. They didn't want the truth. Right up to their destruction, they didn't want the truth. You know, the only protection... Our nation has, the only protection our children have is to hear the true preaching of God's word. I said the true preaching. 
Yet many today absence themselves from the one place designed to teach, to, to give them the word of God in truth. And in this they behave foolishly. They repeat the mistake of the saints that followed Joshua. Their silence doomed an entire generation to a godless existence. And that's exactly what we're doing in America today. We want to play church. We want to play like we're Christians. We want to put on a nice suit, come to church, sit down, hear a cheerful message that doesn't ruffle our feathers. Then we want to leave and go back home, watch our filth on TV, commit all of our our sins that are pleasing to our flesh, and repeat it again next Sunday. Well, it's not going to work. That's not going to work for your children. Not only are we to preach God's word, we're also told to proclaim God's works. To proclaim God's works. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 145. I don't have time to read all 21 verses, but I encourage you later sometime today to read Psalm 145. But we'll start at verse 1. We'll read, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. Do you see that? One generation shall praise thy works to another. That's what we're to do. Sometimes at at work, people come up to me and they say, do you believe God still performs miracles today? I, I have to chuckle. Really, did the sun come up this morning? You know what a miracle that is? If you listen to scientists, we're just a ball of, a ball of dirt f- flying through space with nothing controlling it. The, the, the universe is full of comets and meteors and everything's going all kind of directions, yet somehow the earth just kind of maneuvers through all of that. You don't think that's God? That's a miracle. The birth of a child is a miracle. The rising of the sun, the saving of a soul is a miracle. Oh yes, everything we see is a miracle from God. And the fact that our society today is ignorant of this is due to the fact that they have no true knowledge of God and they don't understand God's works. And what knowledge they do have is incorrect. And this is because in no small part of the silence of the Lord's saints. You know, your neighbor, the only, the only scripture your neighbor might ever hear it will come from your mouth. Did you know that? If you have relatives that are lost and don't go to church, it might be the only Bible they ever hear will be from you. The only encouragement they'll receive will come from, 
from you sharing God's miracles and works in your life. That might be the only thing they'll ever know. The only thing they'll ever hear. So we're to proclaim God's works. Talk about the works of God with your co-workers. I know we live in a society that says you can't talk about religion in the workplace. Ah, pfft. I do it every day. I do it, I do it every day at work. I got, I got employees come to me. They come to my office and they sit there and they ask me questions. And I open my Bible and I share, I share thoughts with them. You say, aren't you afraid you'll lose your job? I was looking for a job when I found that one. I'm going to proclaim God's word and that's what we need to do. That's the only chance some people will have of hearing. You know, the world wants to be a bully. The world wants to scare you and, and make you keep your mouth shut. Don't, be, don't give in. Do, do, don't you believe that God is able to bless you for that? Don't you believe that, that God puts you and me in places where he wants us to proclaim his name, share his word, proclaim his acts? And if, if they take your job away from you, don't worry about it. God will help you find another one. Do you understand? Are you listening to me? Do you understand God is in control of all things? Do you understand everything that takes place every moment of every day is within the will of God? He has knowledge of all of it. None of it surprises him. None of it is, is apart from what he wants to happen. Do you understand that? Maybe, maybe the saints have been too silent about that, even to God's elect saints. Do you live in fear of this world? Or do you live in the grace of God? It's really what it comes down to. Don't be afraid. Open your mouth. Don't be silent. Proclaim God's word. Proclaim God's works. But not only do we see the silence of the saints, but then there was a second contribution, and that is the failures of the fathers. Number two on your study sheets, the failures of the fathers. I've got to hurry. You're not listening fast enough. I knew this was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. I said that this morning. They're not going to listen fast enough. Turn to Judges chapter 2. You should already be there. You should have a marker there. Judges chapter 2, the failures of the father. Let's look at verse 1 again. And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. That's God saying that. God says he'll never break his covenant with us. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars. Now look at the next part. But ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Ye have not obeyed my voice. That's, that's going to be the epitaph of America. Ye have not obeyed my voice. The elders and fathers of Israel made the grave mistake of living careless lives. As we see today as well. I hear people all the time 
who claim to be Christians. And they, they'll, they'll hear a message like this and they'll, they'll go away saying, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody, nobody's going to tell me how I, how I can live. Well, let me just say something. Say that often enough around your children. And one day they will reject the preaching of God's word. That's right. I've seen it, I've seen it so many times. Children grow up to, to despise preaching and, and, and leave the church. These fathers failed their children. And it is in part because their careless living that their children grow to reject God. None of us here, listen, I, I know, I know everybody here. None of, none of us want to, to, to let down our children. None of us want to fail our children. But we do because we don't obey God. We fail to obey his commands. We need to learn to heed the admonitions of Paul in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, Paul writes, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Listen, I know we all had a past, and I know that in the past we all walked in darkness. But if, if, if we claim to be children of God, if we claim to be elect saints, now we're, in, we're enlightened by the Lord, then Paul says, walk as children of light. In other words, live like God's children should live. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So we're to, be, we're to be careful with our lives. We're to live our life. We're to walk as children of God. We're to walk worthy. We're to walk worthy of God. We all hope that as parents, as a, as a father. I always hope that my children are living a life that's going to, that's going to be, be honor me and, and it's going to... <coughs> Have you ever seen, have you ever seen, for lack of a better term, a little demon running around? Have you, have you ever seen that? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Boy, his parents must not care much about that kid. Right? Like it or not, what our children do reflect back on us. And what we do reflects on the Lord. have to find an exit out of here. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to get anyone mad. But I do need to say it is because of our failures, ours, yours, mine, it is because of our failures today that we live in the society that we do. If we were living with a holy fear of God, if we were humbly seeking the will of God for our lives, if we would confess and repent of the sin in our lives, God would forgive us. He would heal our land, and our children would know the Lord. 
I mean, who else are we going to blame, folks? Who are we going to blame? Are you going to blame the atheists? Are you going to blame the liberals? They are what they are. They do what they do. But remember this. They cannot change anything in God's kingdom. Stop shifting the blame. Look in the mirror, point your finger at yourself and say, thou art the man. Forsake the philosophy of do as I say, not as I do. Remember that your actions speak louder than your words. Before you involve yourself in anything, ask yourself, how is this going to affect my children? How is this going to affect my church? How is this going to affect my testimony? This generation today in America knows not the Lord because of the silence of the saints, because of the failures of the fathers. But then thirdly, number three on your study sheets, because of the waywardness of their worship. We're in Judges chapter 2. Let's look over at verse number 11. We read here, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And I suppose this morning that before we can learn to worship God, we, we need to know what it means to worship God. Worship is the act of divine honor consisting in reverence, praise, confession, prayer, thanksgiving, submission, conformity, and obedience. These children failed in their worship to God because they had an improper understanding of worship. And the same is true in America today. People, people don't know what it really means to worship God. They think that getting together and, 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 and um, having a, a, a party and, and, and doing all these things, they think that's worshiping God. Across our nation this morning, people are involved in what they call worship services. But the truth is, they are simply involved in emotionally charged, self-gratifying, Entertainment. Where's the reverence for God in these worship services? The acknowledgement of his sovereignty in all matters. Where is the confession which results from convicting power of the Holy Spirit? By the way, where is the convicting power of the Holy Spirit which comes from preaching the word of God? In fact, there's no shame in their hearts today. In Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 15, the Bible says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. This is not a new problem. This, this problem existed back in the days of the patriarchs. Where is the prayer or the thanksgiving in these worship today? 
In fact, most men act as if God owes them something. They act as though they did God a favor by showing up in church. The thanksgiving they offer is hollow, designed to impress the hearer, but not sincere to the Savior. Where is the submission in this worship? The conformity, the obedience. In fact, men have changed the image of God into what they want him to be. Romans chapter 1, Paul says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Listen to me for a moment. Anyone who hears this kind of preaching and goes away feeling no shame or guilt in their lives or regret, or remorse. I worry about the soul of a person such as that. Because there's none of us in this room this morning. None of us in this room can hold our head up and say, I wholly obey the Lord. None of us. Not me, not any of you. These children of Israel failed in their worship to the Lord. And I, I fear today that many Christians also fail in their worship as well. And this failure to worship God in truth and in sincerity has bred a generation of believers who seek to satisfy self more than they seek to satisfy God. I can't tell you how many times people, young people have come into our church and said, Oh, I'm sorry, your music service just doesn't move me. I'm not moved by your music. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, your preaching is far too hard. I'm not, I'm not looking for somebody to beat me down. I'm looking for somebody to build me up. Well, let me tell you, building you up is the work of the Holy Spirit. But he's going to beat you down first. That's what they do in boot camp. Where, where's, oh, Tabor and Melissa aren't here today. That's what they just finished doing, the tape. They break you down for six or eight weeks. And then they send you to school and build you back up. That's part of life, folks. They seek churches and preachers that appeal to their flesh rather than convict their hearts. Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. And this just leads them farther from the Lord. What brought about this, this condition in Israel in, in the book of Judges? Well, it was the silence of the saints. It was the failure of the fathers, and it was the waywardness of their worship. Now, I hate to end the message on a bad note. And thankfully, I don't have to leave this one there either. For you see, our God is a God of grace and mercy. He is. He is a God of grace and mercy. He's, but he's also a God of justice and truth. We know that God's grace is displayed when he gives us what we do not deserve. I was born again in, in 1980, and God gave me what I don't deserve. He gave me eternal life. He gave me heaven. I don't deserve that. 
Never have and probably never will deserve it. But that's his grace. God's mercy is displayed when God does not give us what we deserve. Be real careful about saying, I wish God would just give me what I deserve. Be real careful about saying that. Because what you and I deserve is the the lake of fire. That's what we deserve. But God has blessed us with his grace and has forgiven us and has saved us. So lastly, this morning, I just want us to look in closing at the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Let's turn together to Psalm 31. Now again, I don't have time to read all 24 verses, so I'm just going to read beginning at verse 14. Look with me at Psalm 31, beginning at verse 14. Here the psalmist writes, But I trusted in thee, O Lord, I said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed, and let them be silent in the grave. The goodness of God. God remembered his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He remembered his covenant with them. He heard the cry of his people. Even after they had forsaken and forgotten him. And he turned his ear to their cry. We see it repeatedly throughout the book of Judges. Chapter 3 and verse 9. Chapter 3 and verse 15. Chapter 4 and verse 3. Chapter 6 and 8. Where the people of God cried unto the Lord. And the Lord heard their cries. He heard the cries of his people. And he showed mercy unto them. How? First of all. To deliver them from desolation. To deliver them from desolation. Galatians chapter 1, we read, beginning at verse 3. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, this is a pretty wicked world we live in. It's pretty bad today for a believer, for Christians. But you know, God's not going to forget us. You know that? He's not going to forsake us. This life may consume us. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And if, 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 if this present desolation called the coronavirus, consumes us, then we'll be with the Lord for all eternity. He is not going to forsake us. He is not going to break his covenant with us. He he will keep his promises to us. You know, you, you need to remember something. This life is simply a journey. It's a stepping stone. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, that at the that the Lord that, that, that there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over the death of one of God's saints. When we die, there's joy in heaven. Why? Because we're we're in heaven with the Lord. 
Don't, don't put more stock in this life than, than, than is necessary. Don't, you know, set our focus on heavenly things, not on things below. God is faithful. He will not forsake us. He will deliver us if we remember to confess and forsake the sin in our lives. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But by God's mercy, not only did he deliver them from desolation, but secondly, he was also faithful to restore them to fellowship. Let's turn to Psalm 51 together, and and this will be the last time we'll turn. Psalm 51. Again, I'm not going to read all 16 verses. But here in verse 1, we see David crying to the Lord, confessing his sin. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Now, to set the story in case you don't know, this was right after David's sin with Bathsheba, and she gave birth to a child, and, and the child was stricken and died. And this is the, the prayer, the, the, the penitent prayer that David prayed unto God to ask God to forgive him for his wickedness. But let's, let's, let's move on. Uh, look over at verse 9. David says, Hide thy faith from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. You see... You and I, we can't clean up our heart. Only God can clean our heart. And that's what David prayed, that God would clean, clean his heart. He says, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me, verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Yes, God restored these people to fellowship with him. And God will not forsake us, and he will not leave us. We're all human, and we're subject to error, and we all make mistakes, and we all sin, and we all disobey God. We're all guilty of being silent. We're all guilty of our failures. We're all guilty at times even of the wrong intentions in worship. But if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. David, not only, not only did David commit adultery with Bathsheba, but then David sent her husband Uriah into the hottest part of the battle and ordered the army to withdraw and leave him alone. And, and let him die. David murdered her husband rather than face the consequences of his sin. The child was born and was stricken and, and, and died. And the prophet Nathan came to, to David. 
And he told him about a man who, who had one little lamb. And he loved that lamb. And he cared for that lamb. And then the, a neighbor coveted that lamb and took it away from that, that man and had him put to death. And, and he told David, he said, now what, what do you say should be done with this man? And David basically announced that he should, he should pay the ultimate price. And Nathan looked at him and pointed his finger at David and said, Thou art the man. And David broke down. And he wrote Psalm 51. Now folks, today I'm, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but I'm here to say thou art the man. And I'm pointing at myself as well. Are we going to be like David? Are we going to break down? Are we going to are we going to come to the Lord and humble ourselves and seek his face and turn from our, our sins in our life and wholly follow the Lord? Well, that's my prayer today. For myself and for all of you. Let's, let's, don't, let's don't be guilty of raising a generation of young people who don't know God. Just don't be guilty of that. Let's start proclaiming the word of God. Let's proclaim the works of God. Let's, let's worship God in truth and sincerity. And let's clean up our lives and let's, let's walk and live worthy of the name of Christ. Let us pray. Father, I come before you this morning and I confess my, my faults to you. And Lord, I, I, I'd like to think that I've, I've done the best in my life, but I know that I haven't. I know that there's a lot of things I could do different, a lot of things I should do different, a lot of things I must do different. And we live in troublesome times today in this nation. And, and I, don't, I don't know if there's a way out aside from your intervention. But I do know this, Lord, that your word says if, if your people will humble themselves, seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, then you will hear our prayers. Then you will forgive our sins. And then you will heal our land. So, Lord... I come before you this morning and, and ask you to, to use this message to, to encourage your people and to anyone else who might hear this message. I just pray, Lord, I pray that we would walk worthy of you. Thank you for all who are here today. May this message be received in the spirit it was given. And we'll praise you and thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Roner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Brian Baptist Church, 
6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us online at www.bebaptist.org.